Rosh Chodesh Tammuz today, Aleph Tammuz, and a good Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Kairach, Tovshin Pei Aleph. And um, I saw an interesting note in the Luach that today happens to be, according to the calendar, the day that Avram Avinu was given a bris, he made a bris, bris Kodesh, when he was 99 years old, so that's another aspect of what we should remember, that today is the day of Avram Avinu's bris, and this connects us to bris. The concept of Kedusha Sabris, the Rebbe and I are on our way to go to a bris, Mir Hashem, this morning, and we hope and we pray that this should be simplest by God's Klal Yisrael. So what do we say when we take a look at this parasha, Parashas Kairach? So I was thinking, first of all, uh, you know, there was a president of the United States who recently left office. His name was Donald Trump. And he wrote a, a book, which he became famous for. The book was called The Art of the Deal. And this is where he gives over his uh, constitution of how the person should go about making a good deal. And he always spoke about the deal. He's out to make deals. Well, this week's parish, we have a similar concept, but it's in a different venue. This is the handbook of the art of machlekes. Unfortunately, that there's a handbook in how to, to create machlekes, and uh, we learned it out from Kairach. And what we have to try to understand is that how not to become like the Adas Kairach. There's a lot in the Torah, a person should not be like Kairach in his groupings. So let's learn some quick lessons about how machlekes is created in the story of Kairach. So first of all, we see that Kairach, what does he do? He himself has his own personal Nagia that he wants to become the Nasi of his particular Shevet. And he feels that Moshe Rabbeinu um, passed him by. And he took Elitzafan for the tribe of from the from the tribe of Levi, and he didn't chose him to be from the from the Levites to be the head of the, the Nasiim. So he had a personal Nagia. He wanted to have that leadership role, and he felt that he was shunned to the side. So he had a personal Nagia. He had a personal reason why he wanted to attack Moshe Rabbeinu. But he doesn't show his hand and just walk walk in and say, Hey, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going against me. He creates a coalition of different uh, dis, disreportive groups, <clears throat> and each one, he comes along with a taina, which seems to be that age-old taina, which is kulanu kedoshim maduatis nasul Hashem. Moshe and Aaron, don't you see? They're only they're taking the leadership roles for themselves. Moshe Rabbeinu was like the melech. Aaron is like the kohen. Um, they're even though they're the great leaders of Klal Yisrael, and they're the ones that have caused Klal Yisrael to be able to get through the goals <clears throat> and to be able to get through the Yamsuf and to get through the midbar. But we see from over here, hide your real reasons. If you hide your real reasons, so then um, that's going to allow you to come to, to try to get control of the leadership of even the great Gedolim. The second thing is make outlandish claims, like the claim which was made against Moshe Rabbeinu. Chazal say on the Pasuk Vayakam Moshe, Moshe got up, that Moshe Rabbeinu, he fell on his face, why did he fall on his face? Because they were chashed him for the iser of Ashes Ashes Ish. This is one of the this is one of the things that uh, that that Kairach used. He asked, you know, that Moshe Rabbeinu 
He is chashid on ish. What an outlandish claim. Now, the truth is, in the um, second part of this particular podcast of our Torah, um, I have a Gavaldik Ipshat, which I say over from Reb Shimon Schwab, in two different lights of how we can understand it. I and Shum, but we what we want to bring out from over here is is that this is also part of the attack that the Bali Machlek is used. They use outlandish claims, and they claim that even the Gedolim, they themselves have phobials, and this is something which destroys the Amuna and the Bitochen that we have in the great Gedolim. So this was another aspect of the art of Machlekes. And the next thing is to create some sort of group dynamics, create an assembly, and what did he do? He had a whole, he rented a hall, and he had everybody, he made a kahila, and he would make fun and poke fun against the leaders of Klai Yisrael, and he was very, very good at what he did. He would he would use the different arguments, talish hakulat cheles, bias malisvarim, these are some of the arts that Kairat himself used. That these are things that we ourselves have to remind ourselves that we should stay away from. Stay away from Achleikah. Stay away from this discourse. Understand that uh, there's a difference between a Machleikah which is completely L'Shem Shemayim and a Machleikah which is Shalom L'Shem Shemayim. And we can discern, as the Mishnah says in Ovis, one of the attributes of a machlokus l'shem shemaim is the machlokus of shamay beishamayim beishilo, where they argued about how we interpret the, the 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 verses in the Torah and the halachas in the Torah, and they argued vehemently against each other. But in the end of the day, we know that a machlokus l'shem shemaim is soifeliskayim, and we see that all of those arguments have effects of greatness in our understanding of the Torah. And therefore, that's a machlokis, which is L'Shem Shemayim. While the machlokis, which is considered the role model for Shalom L'Shem Shemayim, is Kairach V'adosa. And everyone points out, why does the Mishnah say Kairach V'adosa? It should have been Kairach and Moshe. Kairach V'adosa, Keneged Moshe. The answer is that in the end, of, the end of the day, what do we see? The crumbling of this coalition when they're going to see that each one has his own Nagiyas, each one has his own reason why he wants to get the power and why he wants to wrest the power away from the leadership. And at the end of the day, each one is going to argue with each other. There's a machlekes within themselves, there's discourse within themselves. And the Torah is telling us a very, very great lesson. Number one is to stay away from machlekes. Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechah he himself was so... Um, exemplary in this manner, and he used to say a great line. His line was, whenever there had to be, unfortunately, there's a time when you have to stand up for Machlech, you have to stand up for the Torah. He used to say, even though Machlech is, is sometimes important, L'Shem Shemayim, but this Kupnish to Shalom, it doesn't come to Shalom. When a person can make Shalom, when a person can somehow bring out peace between different parties, that's always the best thing. And there were time periods when Rav Moshe would get phone calls from different people who argued with him in his Psach in his different Ashkafic outlets, and they would call him on all hours of the night, famous, famous uh, stories when he gave out the Psach that artificial insemination, and there were groups within the Orthodox 
leadership who went against Riv Moshe, and the Talmidim would argue with Riv Moshe. They would call him up at late hours at night, and did all kinds of things, and sometimes they would use very, very rough language against him. And Riv Moshe, they say on the phone, he would answer peacefully and calmly, and when they would say things against him personally, they would say, after the Zogan, why do you have to say it? Why, do you, what's, why is it so important to say it? And the family members of the Feinstein family were upset. They said that Rav Moshe should have answered harshly and should have turned back. And he said, no, the main thing is they they have Nagiyas, but I have to answer B'Sholem and peace. And we see this source by Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu in the middle of the argument, he, he goes to Dasan and Avirim, Dasan and Avirim, who are enemies, sworn enemies of Moshe Rabbeinu from all the way from the beginning, from the time, from 40 years prior to this in Mitzrayim, they already were arguing against against Moshe Rabbeinu. They, Moshe Rabbeinu decides to go to their camp and to try to convince them that they should turn away from Achlokis, they shouldn't be destroyed. And unfortunately, Dustin and Aviram did not listen to him. So we see how far a person should go. This is the way the Hashkaf of the Torah is to stay away from Achlokis, to try to bring Shalom into the world. There was a said that there was a certain community in America where the community, unfortunately, did not have Torah centers and it seems that the, the community was going to die out. So they wanted a few balabatim, they wanted to bring in a yeshiva, and they brought in a, a very, very chashvet chacham. And at the same time, there were a group of Yungalite from Lakewood that were thinking about going to that community in order to bring out uh, Torah into that community. And uh, Rav Moshe said, no, already this Rosh Hashim is there, and it's going to take away from his covet and from his honor, from what he's doing. So they said to Rav Moshe that it seems that this particular Rosh Hashiva, he might be a great Talmud Chacham, but he doesn't speak the Shprach. He really doesn't speak the right language, and he's not going to connect with the community, and the community is going to fall away from him. And Rav Moshe did his utmost to stop and to tell the Avrechim, no, now is not the time to go. Allow this person to be there to see what he, what he could do. And what happened was, eventually, that's what happened. The Rosh Hashiva himself saw that he was not having a good accord and a rapport with the members of the community. And he himself went to Lakewood and he said, you know what, maybe you could send some good light over here and it will enhance the community. So look what Rav Moshe did in order to bring out that there shouldn't be machlaikas. My Rabbi Rav Chaim Shulevitz used to say over, why is it that even the children were destroyed, the children of, of, of Kairach Vados were destroyed, even though they're not Chayiv Misa, Taf and 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 the Tinak Yonik Mishtayimai, even the young sucklings were all part of those that were destroyed. He said, because a machlaikis is a fire, machlaikis is an esh, and a fire is not mafchin ben tzadik Russia and a person has to stay away from machlaikis. And this is something we should learn. If we want to learn the art of not having machlaikis, is to stay away from machlaikis. But I must mention that there are certain times when a person is obligated to stand up for the conduct of the Kvayt Shemayim, and then there's no other way except for a person to have a machlekes, an argument. It's a famous Maisa with the Malbim. The Malbim stood up against the reformed jury that started in Germany, and he was a, uh, he was a great combat, in great combat, and he would stand up and he would poke fun and he would speak out, and he would write articles, and they came to him, they say, why are you so against us? Why can't you speak to us so nicely? Why is it, why are you speaking Lashon Hara against us? So he said to them, you know, when a Balabas is sitting on a Shabbos table, and he has his family, 
and he's surrounded by all of his children, and the lights of the candle are lit brightly on the on the on the Shabbos licht, and all of a sudden the Ganav jumps through the window, and he starts stealing the candelabras. What does the Balabas scream? He screams, Ganav, Ganav, you thief, you thief. And so what does the thief say back to the Balabas? Why are you speaking so harshly against me? Why can't you speak nicely? Why are you attacking me? What does the Balabas say? When you're stealing, when you're a Ganav, the only thing is to call out a Ganav, a Ganav. And there's no question when we're learning this parsha and we're going through what we're going through here in Eretz Yisrael, where we see a coalition of people who are doing their utmost to upsurp the leadership role here in Israel. And we cannot stand by silently. We have to scream, Ganav, Ganav. We saw the news this morning, unfortunately, that the left groups, the left-wing groups who are anti-religious, they're already beginning to feel their standing and they're going to introduce rules and laws about Chilo Shabbos and about how Reformed Jewry should have a place within the context of religiosity and accepting their geiris and accepting everything else in this country. And these are things that have been, we've fought for for 70 years in order to keep out. And there was a status quo and there was a concept that Shabbos is officially the laws and it could be a private individual. It doesn't keep Shabbos, but the public transportation, you should, they do keep Shabbos. So these are the things we have to daven for. Rabbi Isai, I want to wish everybody that uh, please listen to the second half of the um, of the podcast of the Divrei Torah to get chizuk. We want to give a bracha to everybody. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz. We said over that uh, we know the famous remez of Tammuz. That Tammuz stands for Zmanim Zmanei Tshuva Mamashvushim Aboyim. Rashi Tevis, the Zman of Tshuva is about to come upon us. We're getting closer. Tammuz of and Elul. Only th- three months away from Rosh Hashanah of this com- upcoming year. And therefore, we hope that we should bring into ourselves and into our lives a resurgence of tshuva and think about what we can do to better ourselves. And I mentioned, and I'll mention it again, that the, this was, statement was said over to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, and he, re- he remarked very, very quickly that Tammuz also stands for Tizdares Maher Vitilmid Zion. A person should do his utmost to quickly exert himself to learn Zion, to learn the seven days of the week. The greatest thing that we can do in order to combat the Machlaikas at this point is the Mechazik and our Tshuva, the Mechazik and our Torah. So we want to give a bracha to everybody that we should hear good news. HaKadosh Baruch was watching over Kla Yisrael. Netzach Yisrael Yishakir, Bezashem Yisbark, we should be Zoycha to the Gula Shlemim, Herav Yamenu, Amen, Amen, wishing everyone a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful Rosh Chaydish. I saw brought down at the Svarim, the Bnei Yusashcha, just time to speak a little bit just about the month of Tammuz. Tammuz is one of the Shemus of the Avodah Zorah, and they bring the, it's a shame Avodah Zorah, really, but the, um, and the, the times of Tammuz we know, are the beginning of the, the Tzaris of Klal Yisrael. We already have Shabbos of Tammuz coming up. That's the beginning of the siege around Yerushalayim. And Tammuz enters into Av. They bring down that uh, these months were the months that were actually given. The Svar Makdashim, the Yisoschus, says the months that were given to Esav, Lo Elena. All the other months are the months of Yaakov Avinu. But this fell into the, the Goyal of Tammuz. And therefore they say that Esav himself felt 
that it, there's no reason to to be happy if it falls out in this month, because this months are such clawless. So he said, if this months are such clawless and nothing has happened to Klaizo to completely extinguish them, so therefore he wouldn't have been happy if it would have fell out in this month. Because this month, even though we look at it as being a time of tsaris, but we see the chesed of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is watching over us even during the difficult months. And it's brought down to Svarmak Dajman. These months eventually are going to be months of great Yom Tovim, of great Chagim, as we know. The month of Av, even though it says Tishabav, but in the end of the day, Menachem Av, there's going to be a Menachem Av. And they bring down over here from Svarm again. I don't understand these things, but they say that there's two figures of leaders of Klai Yisrael. One is called Menachem, one is called Nehemiah. And the month of Tammuz relates to Nehemiah. It's also brought down that. A person should be should be mechavin in these two months to the pasuk of Ezer Dalim. These are considered the months of Dalim. Dalit is Dalit Lamid Dal, and these are poor months, so to speak, because we don't have Yom Tovim in these months. But when we have the month of Elo, which is the month of Tshuva, which is the month of Tshuva, so that already it was taken away from Esav. That already was given to Yaakov Avinu. Pesach of Tshuva. If we take the tuf of tshuva and we put it together with the dal and the lama, we have delis. This is the delis of tshuva, Rabbi Isai. The month of Tammuz or the delis of tshuva. So there's a gvaldika, a gvaldika ashpa that we can be mechavin in this Shabbos now that everyone is back in shuls or back in minyanim and there's going to be the birchas hachodesh, which mechavin that this month, the month of Tammuz, should be an elevated month. It should be a brachadika month. Bez Hashem Yisbarach. It should be, as Reb Chaim Kanievsky says, a zeros for Talmud As others say, it should be a remez to the union of tshuva. Bez Hashem, we should be zeros to a lot of Yeshua's v'nechamas. Now to speak a few words just on the parasha. Unfortunately, <laughs> when we speak about these months, we speak about these parashas, as we said last week already, that um, it could be, it could get kind of depressing because it really speaks about the nasty side of Klal Yisrael, the side of the Mishayinim, the side of the Meraglim. And now we get to this week's parsha. it's the parsha of Kairach, wow. And it says, Vayikach Kairach, Kairach came and he took. I saw it brought down, Vayikach Kairach, Kairach, he came and he took. What does it literally mean? It literally means that he took Machlaikis, right? He took, he took Machlaikis, that's what he did. So, First of all, we know Chazal say, Rashi already brings down that Parshazu Yofen Nidreshes in the Medrash Tanchum. He says, this Parshaz is spoken beautifully about in the in the, in the Medrash Tanchum. A lot of beautiful drushes on this Parsha. The truth is, it's a very hard thing to say. Beautiful drushes on this week's Parsha. The Parsha is so filled with Machlaikas and everything else. So unfortunately, people say, yeah, that that's part of the Yofen Nidreshes. This is a parasha that unfortunately continues until Etzem Ayyam Azeb, where unfortunately Machloikas has not left Klai Yisrael. And therefore it's Yofen Nidreshes. Every single generation has its unfortunate Machloikas, and it's something which is applicable and something that we have to work on. How did Kairach take the take a, a, a stand against against Moshe Rabbeinu? So they bring down from the Surah Magdashim that the Gedolim they never take godless for themselves. Gedolim are always people that min ha-shamayim, 
he assists Klal Yisrael that Klal Yisrael should turn towards the Gedolim without the Gedolim even wanting to be part of it. Like the, the, the Gedolim, they're kind of what the Mishnah says, to be bereach min to run away from Kavit. And still everyone, a true Gadol is chosen by a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and there's almost like a reach that Klal Yisrael feels this is the right person to go to. Reb Chaim Kanievsky Shlita Shabik never appointed himself as being a Gadol. He sat and learned Torah at Yom of Elayla from the time he was younger. And he worked on himself, and he worked on his Midas, and he worked on his Tzitkus, and he worked on his Chasidus. And everyone feels drawn to go, and therefore, it's something which he didn't have to go take for himself. And every single Gadol I was able to meet, it was always the same way. From the time they were young until they got older, they were always Isaac in Torah and Midas and Maisim Tevim. And Klaizor decided to choose them. They weren't, there was no elections who's going to be a Gadol. The elections was by the feet. People ran to them because they knew these these people, they represent the concept of Emes. But Kairach was Lokach. He went on his own. He wanted to try to take, he made a, he made a, um, he made a political party, so to speak. He made a rally. He had to pump himself up in order for people in, to choose him over the side of Moshe. And this is something that we can learn from, that we can emulate in our own lives to be to be a person who's bereach min to be bereach min And if we do that, then that's going to hopefully be a tikkun. It says, Vayishma Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu heard, Mashmu Hashama, right? So there's an unbelievable chazal, chazal say, that Malamed Shechashtuhu Be'eshes Ish. Rashi brings down. Can you imagine? We know that unfortunately in the world we live today, that uh, no one is immune. And there are have been cases in the past, we're not going to deny it, of people who are even in the rabbinate. Well, unfortunately, it fell to the taivas. And it could be that you could somehow imagine that something like that happened. But when we speak about the higher levels, when I speak the highest levels, the levels of Gedolim, of Kedoshim, and for sure when we speak about Moshe Rabbeinu, how is it possible that Klal Yisrael would have a Taina or a Kairach could somehow raise the point and he said, oh, Moshe Rabbeinu is Chashun and Eshazish. So Rav Schwab, I always love to say what Rav Schwab says. First he says, Al-Piyah is that the men, when they would come home from Shul and they would have, like, like a lot of times men have, oh, the rabbi said this, the rabbi did this. So a lot of times, unfortunately, the, the women go along with that. But in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, any time that Yisrael, that the men had against Moshe Rabbeinu, automatically the women would stand up in defense of Moshe Rabbeinu. Say, How could you say that Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu is a Kaddish. Moshe Rabbeinu is the Ish on of Ma'id. So the only thing that the men could do is say, oh, it must be that our wives, that they have... Unfortunately, they have a relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu. They were chayshidim, ish. Why is it that all the women are backing Moshe Rabbeinu and they're not listening to Artinus? That's in a simple balabatisha level. Then he says in a little deeper level, which helps us maybe to understand that this wasn't just a simple chashtu ish. This was a higher level. We know the Pasik says, Yaakov. The Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu taught us is an inheritance for the Kilas to the assemblies of Klal Yisrael. And the Gemara Darshan's Al-Tikri Marasha, don't call it Marasha with a shin, but Me'orasha, a engaged, engaged, we're engaged. 
Like we know, when a person gets engaged, I have Baruch Hashem, my grandson is engaged, he's going to be married, Mitzvah Hashem, in a week and a half. I have two grandsons who Baruch Hashem in engagement, they should have a lot of bracha, and it should spread out to everyone else. But engagement is a beautiful time, but we know the highlight of everything is the chasna, and by the chasna, the status changes from being a matzav of Erisin to a matzav of Nesuin. Nesuin is full-fledged marriage, of full obligations, of full connection, the cheder yichud, and the entering into a lifelong pact of a husband and a wife, and their engagement leaves them, and they become now a married couple. So over here, there's a gavaldic insight that Rav Shraib says, Yisrael, and this could be a deeper meaning of what Kairach, Kairach wasn't Stama, a tipish, Kairach was one of the Leviim, he was one of the Gedolei Hador, and he was very, very smart. So the Taina that he used, and this was the Taina that Klai Yisrael somehow it related to was that Moshe Rabbeinu only taught us the Torah Betar Erisin, Al Tikri Marasha Marasa. It's like an engaged woman. He's only giving us the Torah the way I describe it, the Torah's Hanigla, the revealed Torah. But the Torah's Nisuin, the Torah which is hidden, the, the deep secrets of the Torah, the Kabbalistic, the Nister of the Torah, the the Sayyidus the, HaTorah, the, the, Moshe Rabbeinu was not teaching to all of Klal Yisrael. And therefore they were chashed him on Eishas Ish. They were chashed that there's a chalik of Torah that is keeping for himself. Rabbi said, this is such a gavaldi gavart. Such a gavaldi gavart gives us a little bit of a better understanding that the machlekes of Kairach, what did have some linchpins of a higher level of an association. Another point to bring out is, is that we know that the Pasuk says, Vatiftach ha'oris it's piyah. That Moshe Rabbeinu asked that there should be a special event and to choose between Moshe Rabbeinu and the Reishnun Anoshim. And the Pasuk says, as soon as Moshe Rabbeinu finished, there was this earthquake, and the earth opened up its mouth, and it swallowed everyone, and their houses, and they all went down and the question is why was this the punishment that Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe Rabbeinu asked for the Shalah Kodesh says an interesting thing again a little bit Kabbalistic Shalah says that we know that Cain killed Hevel and Kairach is a Gilgal of Cain and Moshe Rabbeinu is a Gilgal of Hevel. And what does it say when Cain killed Hevel? It says that the blood spilled out from Hevel and it went into the Adama. And therefore the Pusik says that because of Cain, you're going to be cursed from the Adama. Asher that opened up its mouth. The, the earth opened up its mouth and it took the blood. That was the first time that the earth opened up its mouth and it drew the blood from Hevel into it. And over here was Mida Keneged Mida. The earth that had swallowed up the blood of Hevel, Hevel is now in the form of Moshe. And Moshe Rabbeinu now Mida Keneged Mida, Kayin, that poured the blood into the Adama. Now that same earth is opening up and is swallowing up Kayin into the Adama, that was the 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 Mida Keneged Mida of what Akash Bokha wanted to bring. I always felt that 
at a simple level, it could be I saw it in Svarim, that the concept of the earth is the place where people have stability, where people have a, an, a place for them to build their lives. And when there's shalom in the world, when there's peace in the world, there's stability in the world, then the earth stands. But when chas shalom, there is machlaikis, when there's disagreement, when there's arguments, when people do not get along with each other. When it's chayim ish blo'o, when there's riots, when there are things that are happening in the world, we see that people just can't live with each other. The whole social structures are falling apart. And this all comes about from this accord of Machlaikas. The original Baal Machlaikas was Kairach. So then what happens is, is that the earth doesn't have standing. The earth opens up and everything is swallowed up into it. It all becomes obliterated. The earth does not have the ability to keep the standing. And this is something we should keep in mind, especially in these days, where we see there's such disaccord and there's such disarray that we should be mechazik ourselves, especially in the area of shalom. And unfortunately, shalom, shalom is something which is hard to, to, to keep, but it's the thing of the utmost order. One of the connections between the end of last week's parasha and this week's parasha is that last week's parasha speaks about the mitzvah of titus, and it says a person should put the titus al dalad confess oritz, and this week's parsha, when Kairach uh, argues against Moshe Rabbeinu, so one of the times that he said, he went into the base of Medrash and he brought, and he said to him, "What happens of, of a of a a, a, a talis shakula tchelis? Is it chayiv and tzitzis or is it not chayiv and tzitzis?" Moshe Rabbeinu said, "You're chayiv and tzitzis." He said, "How could it be if tchelis, which is just one of the corners, is uh, is able to pat the the baget, a whole baget?" So Kosha came when the whole Begit is made out of it should be put. Without getting into the deeper meaning of this, I want to mention that last week there was an article in the uh, Yeted Neman about the great Goin and Tzaddik, the late Rosh Hashiva of Yeshiva's Torah R, Rav Chaim Pincha Sheinberg, Zeichat Tzaddik Levracha. And we in there, Yaakov, had a great schus to be able to see him and to meet him. We know, everyone knows that Rav Sheinberg had a minig, and no one really knows the real source of what that minig is. But he would wear literally dozens and dozens and dozens of talais and ketanim. And he looked like a very, very big, heavy man. We went to visit him. He looked like a, you know, a very broad person. But the, the truth is, people say that he was a very, very skinny person. And he was Moser Nefesh with this mitzvah of tzitzis. He was Mekayim, the mitzvah of tzitzis. And I know that p- some people came to him. There was once a Talmud and the yeshiva started wearing many tzitzis. And Rip Scheinberg uh, told him, you're a Balgaiva and it's not for you. And this is not something you should do. Rav Scheinberg was under Madrega. He had a reason why he did it. He held for some reason that every single pair of tzitzis, he said, is a new mitzvah. And you can make a mitzvah. And there are a lot of great stories that go on with Rav Scheinberg. I want to speak about two stories, not with Rav Scheinberg, but relate to the mitzvah tzitzis. And it should be a chizuk for all of us. We ourselves, especially now in the summertime, sometimes people are a little bit lax. Rabbi said so we should realize how important the mitzvah tzitzis as I heard from my Rebbe of Moshe Feinstein, the mitzvah of tzitzis is a mitzvah kiyumas, not a mitzvah chayuvas. It's only if we wear Dalit confess we're mechayuv. But that's what Yidin do. We put on the Dalit confess, we're mekayim the mitzvah, and it's a mitzvah sasebed deraisa. What is the mitzvah of tzitzis? How can the mitzvah of tzitzis play a role in a person's life? They say there was a person 
who was a, a, a child of Belzer Hasidim in the times of the, the great Tsar HaKadosh Reb Shalom Ibelz. And unfortunately, he went off the derech and he, he, he met a non-Jewish woman, a shiksa, and he, was a, he made a preparation to marry her. And you can imagine the parents were distraught. They came to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said, see if you can get your son to come to me. So the son came to him. He had respect and he came to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe didn't say to him, how could you marry a shiksa now? You're going up to derech. He said to him, listen, I understand that you're, you're going to be married. And I want to tell you one thing. Take upon yourself at least one symbol of Judaism you should keep. And no matter what happens, he says, what is that symbol? He says, you should wear tzitzis underneath your, 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 your garments. You don't have to show them out. And that way, you'll at least have a symbolism of Judaism within you. So the person had enough respect for him. He said, okay, that's the Rebbe wants, that's what I'll do. And he decided to wear tzitzis. It was a couple of days before his wedding, and his wedding came. He got married in a, I don't know if it was in a church or not in a church. And the wedding was going on. He was dancing the way the non-Jewish people dance. And in the middle of the dancing, all of a sudden, his shirt became disheveled and his tzitzis were somehow revealed. And they, the, the fringes came out. And all of a sudden, his, his now new in-laws saw these tzitzis and they said to him, you're wearing that Jewish garment you told us that you gave up everything. You, the only reason why we accepted you with their family is because you gave up in your Judaism. And now we see that you're the same, and they use not nice words. I don't want to have to say those words. Yeah, the Jews. And we don't want to have you. So he said, you don't want to have me? I don't want to have you? All of a sudden, he became proud of his Judaism. So those pair of tzitzis, they were things that became an object of covet. And this was the greatness of the Belzer Rebbe. He knew I don't know if he was a Navi or not a Navi, but he knew in his Ruach HaKadosh, this would be the thing that would save the person. And eventually, he, he, that person ran away. I'm not going to marry your family. doesn't accept me for my Jewish values, for the little Jewish values that I have. And I'm sure he was Chayzeh B'Tshuva. Another Maisa saw brought down that there was a, a recent, more recent story of a young yeshiva boy who unfortunately contracted cancer and he was going for treatment and he came to a, a certain hospital for one of his one of his chemotherapies in a, uh, in one of the hospitals in Israel, in Tel Aviv. And when he got there, they told him before that he has to be completely, completely sterilized because the camp, you know, similar to what's going on today in the corona. So, but he was a yeshiva bacher, and what he did was the night before, he washed his tzitzis, they should be pristine. And when he came there, his tzitzis were perfectly clean. The nurse that was administrating the chemotherapy said, oh, you have to take off that, 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 those, those tzitzits. She says, no, I'm not going to take them off. I'm going to wear them the whole time. She says, no, I'm not going to give you the chemotherapy because you have to be completely sterilized. You have to put on a, a smock that we wash and everything else. She says, I washed it. It's perfectly clean. They had an argument, and she refused to give him the chemo. He stayed outside. He was in the waiting room. And she said, I have to, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she, he was waiting. He waited there for three hours outside. He was learning. And after three hours, also a certain professor walked by. And I guess he had seen this person sitting there. And he says, what are you waiting for? He says, well, I came to do my chemotherapy. But this woman, she refused to give the chemotherapy because I'm, I have my tzitzis. This person wasn't religious. He went into the nurse's room. And he was there for a few minutes. And then he came out. And he says, go inside. She's going to give you your chemotherapy right now. But the boy saw that this professor looked white. 
So he said, Professor, why do you look so white? He said, first go in and get the chemotherapy, then you'll come out and you'll talk with me. So what happened is he went in, he got the chemotherapy, the woman administered what she was supposed to do. And then afterwards he came out and he went to the professor. The professor said, I want to tell you, when I went in there and I told this nurse, why aren't you, why aren't you administering the chemotherapy to this young boy? So she told me the reason. I said, that's not a reason. He's perfectly fine with what he did. And then he said, give me all the records of this boy. He started looking at the records of the boy and he saw the medicine that she was going to administer. The particular chemotherapy that, she, that he needed, she was giving him the wrong medicine. And that medicine would have killed him on the spot. So the, 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 the reason why he was white, because he said he knew, he understood that the reason why this person was still alive, this buffalo was still alive, because he decided to keep his tits on. And those tits were the thing that helped him and saved him in times of desperate times. Rabbi Sai, the mitzvah of tzitzis, the reason is called the mitzvah. When Moshe Rabbeinu tells Klal Yisrael, when tells Kairach that even a Tal HaShakul is Chayiv and tzitzis, that's the truth. That's really what's going on. We should realize the month of Tammuz is coming in, the month of Torah, the month of Tshuva. We're in the Parshias, which seemed like difficult Parshias. We spoke about Oiz Adalim, Kodesh Baruch Hu attached the tough from the month of Tshuva. It should be the Delis, the opening for us. We should be Zoychem Yitz Hashem to Brachus Yeshuas and to all of the Brachus for us and for all of Klai Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for listening to this Foundation's podcast production. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. Thank you and have a wonderful day.